Help keep Kinks and Beats daily ad-free and receive bonus content early with a contribution of 20 cents per episode. Visit herohabit.com slash shop for more information. Hello and welcome to Kinks and Beats Daily. I'm your host, Tony Fry. Thank you for joining us on episode 135, where we are discussing Get Back by the Beatles. And this is a complicated history, but we're not going to go um, into every nook and cranny of this song because of this era, these songs get crazy complicated um, just because by the nature of which they were recorded. A lot of them were, uh, you know, this was the start of 1969. The Beatles are going into what is then known as the get back sessions. Eventually will be let it be um, to film a movie. So they're in a movie studio. They are recording every movement that they make, but they're not in a recording studio. They're in a movie studio. They're on a soundstage. And so the sessions are weird. They're miserable. They're cold. They're too early in the morning. They're bickering at each other. Um, and But they're, you know, they're jamming. It's not structured in the least. And so Get Back is kind of born out of a jam. And then developed a little bit and then the lyrics are altered a bit you know and 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 it goes on and on and on before it's even really considered a real song you know worthy of recording let alone worthy of being a single um the song is released originally april 11th 1969 as a single backed with don't let me down that's a great single and it's released later on the Let It Be album, it's the last track on the Let It Be album. It's a different version on the Let It Be album that came out May 8th, 1970. So uh, a little over a year between the single release and the uh, release uh, on an album, which was crazy uh, unheard of at this point in the Beatles' career. The single's credited to the Beatles with Billy Preston. It's the only single to have a shared credit uh, like that. And it's also the first single released in real stereo in the United States, which actually surprised me when I read that single number one hit around the world. And it is the American number one that ties Elvis Presley's record for 17 chart toppers. So from here on out, every number one makes them bigger than Elvis. They, they are now tied at the get back release. Um, Billy Preston, who plays on this track and delivers maybe one of the most famous Fender Rhodes solos of all time, um, did a cover of this song for the Sgt. Pepper movie in 1978. And incidentally, if you subscribe to one of our non-sports subscription boxes, you may get some trading cards from that movie. That's right. I have trading cards with Billy Preston and Peter Frampton and the Bee Gees and Alice Cooper and Earth, Wind and Fire. Um, that are going out to subscribers. Anyway, that was a shameless plug. Recording of this tune, actual recording. Uh, we're not talking about the jam sessions that led up to it, but actual earnest organized recording of this tune began January 23rd, 1969 at Apple Studios. Um, you know, despite having been rehearsed and jammed on during the Twickenham film sessions the weeks prior. And the original lyrics when they were jamming over it were a satire. Uh, the focus on immigration debates of the time, and they were satirizing specifically one council member or 
parliament member or whatever um, they're called. Um, and so those sessions, you know, th- are widely known. You can find bootlegs of them called No Pakistanis. And the Beatles smartly chose not to go at those lyrics um, because satire lyrics, when you are singing from the perspective of somebody else, especially somebody else with unpopular opinions, don't age well, right? If, if, uh, if I'm singing a song about a current politician who's not the president or the prime minister, but somebody, you know, a congressman here in the States or something, um, and I'm saying I'm, I wrote a song singing from his perspective, it might be funny and biting now, but if my song is still popular 60 years later and that politician's been dead for 45 years and nobody's thought of him and nobody knows who he is anymore. I'm the one that looks like a racist jerk or whatever at that point. So they were smart because like nobody in America would have known, especially today, you know, this song is 50 years old now. Nobody would have known what they were singing about. All they would have known was the still living Paul McCartney was racist against Pakistani immigrants in, in England uh, in the late 60s. So they were smart to change the lyrics. Plus, I've heard the no Pakistani lyrics. The release version is just, it's just a better song. So they change the lyrics and they start recording uh, January 23rd. On the 27th, they do 14 new takes. So nothing on the 23rd gets officially released. On the 27th, a few days later, they do 14 new takes. Um, and the version that we hear on the Let It Be album comes from those sessions. And then the next day, they record the version that gets released as a single, as well as the B-side, Don't Let Me Down. So they bust through those in two days. And then two days after that, they're performing it live. So over the course of between January 23rd and January 29th, they have recorded 30 takes of this track. They've got a single version. They've got a version that will ultimately come out on an album that they don't know that at the time. Um, and they're, they're performing it live uh, on the rooftop. They did this song three times live. The first one was kind of a warm-up sound check. Then they did it for real. And then they closed the set with it again. And it's and this is the point when um, the cops are showing up. And so that final time is the last song of their set. Cops are there shutting them down. And it features the John Lennon quip, I hope we pass, you know, thank you on behalf of myself and the band, and I hope we pass the audition. That little snippet at the end of the rooftop concert will get attached to the end of the first studio one that they recorded three days prior. So a lot, you know, we just talked about Taxman, how the count in was added two months after the song was recorded or whatever it was. This is the same thing. The studio recording that we hear on the Let It Be album is completed. It ends with that false ending. Um, but it's in the studio. That's a studio recording. And then they tack on this uh, snippet from the the end of the live recording to make it sound like that was the rooftop concert. I think it's it's probably before all the books came out on these sessions and, and Mark Lewison's books and stuff. I'd imagine this was a source of confusion for Beatles fans for a number of years. 
Um, harmonically, there's virtually nothing to talk about worth analyzing. This song mostly vamps on an A chord and then spends a bar here and there on a D chord. And this is it. Jojo was a man who darted what a woman, but he knew he couldn't last. And even when they're on the D chord, you know, that A is still there. So it's just droning over the, the A. And then the hits are just a G chord to a D chord. Got a cool drum line by Ringo. Kind of a moderated or a modified um, drum rhythm or drum rhythm, train rhythm. It's cool stuff. Uh, the guitar solos, John is actually playing lead on this one. George is playing rhythm. And uh, John turns in two really solid, I mean, they're the same solo two times, but he turns in a really solid um, guitar solo on this. And it's one that if you try to play it, it's very hard to play with the phrasing and stuff that John has. And I, I own a casino. He's playing a casino um, at these sessions. I own a casino. So it's like the exact same guitar. Um, and it's hard to get the phrasing that he he's got such a unique touch. Um, and you kind of hear it when he does his solo on Honey Pie from the White Album. Uh, he's underrated, I think, as a lead, brilliant rhythm guitarist. Nobody will deny he's a brilliant rhythm guitarist. The guy has, uh, I heard somebody, uh, a, a famous musician, I forget who, say he's got the best right hand in rock and roll. Like his strumming and stuff as, as a rhythm guitar player was fantastic. But I think he's underrated as a lead guitar player. He's a very competent lead guitarist. I think Harrison's better. Um, but I think in the hierarchy of lead guitarists, I think Lennon is right below Harrison. And I think McCartney is below Lennon, but that's neither here nor there. I don't need your listener mail on that, on that particular topic, but he turns in a, a fantastic solo here. Like I mentioned earlier, Billy Preston's got a, it's an iconic, um, uh, Fender Rhodes solo. Everything about this tune is good. This is a solid song. It's one of my favorite Beatles songs. It's one that uh, uh, when I saw Paul live, he didn't do it, you know, and, and we're walking out and he does a three hour show and this is the, the, you know, the genius of Paul McCartney. He did a three hour show and there were still another hour and a half, two hours worth of songs that I would have loved to have heard him. And I wouldn't have cut anything he did, but there was still a ton of th songs that I, I wish he, I, he, would have done live at the concert i saw get back was definitely on that list um so that's it for me on get back what are your thoughts on this song you can give me a call at 925-494-1739 or email me kinks and beats at herohabit.com and of course if you swing by hero habit we do have a discussion group um available to anybody who wants to use it i would love to see that get going um and to have some meaningful conversations without all the facebook noise that you get on other groups all right. Um, yeah, that's it. I will talk to you soon. Thanks for listening. Make sure you swing by iTunes. Give us a five-star rating and review, please. All right. Have a great day. Stay safe out there, everybody. This podcast is presented by the Hero Habit Podcast Network. Swing by herohabit.com today to comment on this episode and poke around our growing database of sports and pop culture news, reviews, and collectibles. HeroHabit.com. Collect your heroes.